Hi there and welcome back to Truth Diving. We left off last week with the Lord rejecting Saul as king and Samuel grieving over Saul. And now we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In verse 1, we read the Lord say to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And so Samuel goes and finds Jesse, and he doesn't tell him quite at first why he's here. He just he tells him that he wants to eat and to sacrifice with him. He tells him to get all of his sons so they can have this feast and they can sacrifice to the Lord. And so he Jesse gathers his sons and Samuel sees Eliab, his oldest son. And Samuel sees him and thinks, surely this is the one, this is the one that the Lord was telling me about. This is the one God has chosen to be king. And we think back to what we read last week, how when Samuel went and anointed Saul, when he first met Saul, Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. Saul had the appearance to be king. But we see in verse 7, the Lord say to Samuel here, he says, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so Jesse introduces Samuel to the rest of his sons. And one by one, the Lord tells Samuel, No, this is not the one. This is not the one. Until he gets through all the sons who are there. And so Samuel says, Don't you have any other sons? And Jesse says, Well, we have the youngest one, but he's out in the field getting sheep. So he brings David, the youngest son, and he comes, and, and the Lord tells Samuel, This is the one, this is who I've chosen. So in front of his brothers, in front of his father, but not really public other than that, Samuel anoints David with oil. He anoints him and tells him that the Lord has chosen him to be king. And then it says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. Now, now this does not actually make David king yet. This isn't exactly public. It's not proclaimed that he's the king. For now, the Lord is speaking through the prophet Samuel. He's saying who he has chosen to be king, but the people are for now still under the rule of Saul. In the next paragraph here, we see that after the spirit of the Lord left Saul, it says that God, after God has rejected them, it says that a harmful spirit from the Lord was tormenting Saul. And at first we read this and we say, a harmful spirit from the Lord, like, that doesn't sound like something God would do. But we remember that this is after God has rejected Saul as king. God has said that because of his disobedience, he will no longer have God's anointing as king. But Saul is still holding on to that kingship. He's still holding on to that rule. He's still ruling over the people. And he's doing so contrary to the Lord. And so what we see is God allowing this to happen. Allowing this, this harmful spirit to torment Saul. And God's setting up the stage for what he, plans, what he plans to do next. What he plans now to fulfill the rest of his will. So we see Saul's servants telling Saul that they know of a man who, who plays the lyre. He plays the music skillfully. And they say, let's bring him here and maybe he can play music for you. He can, he can soothe you when, when you're going through these, these things. He can, he can comfort and, and kind of put you at ease. So who, who do they bring? But lo and behold, they bring David, the son of Jesse. 
And this is long before that Saul or really anyone else knows that David was anointed as king, as the next king of Israel. But this is just showing how God is setting the stage, how God's working things out and preparing to do his will, preparing to do, to set everything in motion, to do exactly what he has planned. So David comes and he plays the leader for Saul when Saul is being tormented by these spirits, when Saul is going through this this mental anguish, really, when he's going through these fits, David comes and plays the music for him. And it works, and what we see is David not only win the favor of Saul, but he also secures a place he also secures a place directly in the service of the king. Saul sends and asks Jesse to allow him to keep sending David there, to keep sending David there, maybe even stay at the palace there for a time. It doesn't give those details, but but we see David getting this service of the king. He's getting set close to the king. He's really he's getting in a position to that he knows where he's going and God knows where he's going, but really not that many other people do. And so in chapter 17, we come to probably what David is most known for. We come to Israel battling the Philistines and we're introduced to this giant Goliath. In verse 17, it says that Goliath's height is six cubits and a span. A cubit is about 18 inches, and a span, I believe, is about 9 inches. So in all, that puts Goliath standing literally over 9 feet tall. And it says that he's wearing a bronze helmet. It says that he's wearing chainmail that weighed 5,000 shekels. A shekel is about 11 grams. So that comes out to be 121 pounds, more or less. When we, If you, like me, have trouble picturing, well, all right, 120 pounds, what does that actually mean wearing? I looked it up, and you know when you go to the dentist, and you sit there in the x-ray chair, and they throw that lead apron on you? That's about 10 pounds. So if that feels heavy, and that's about 10 pounds, this warrior Goliath is wearing this chain mail, which weighs 120 pounds. So we see this Goliath, he's he's antagonizing Israel, and he's calling out, and he's telling them to send a warrior out to fight him. And he says, if you can defeat me, then the Philistines will be your slaves. Or if you can't defeat me, then we're going to come and we're going to make Israel our slaves. And while this is going on, it says this went on for about 40 days. And while this is going on, David's father Jesse sends him, out to out to his brothers his brothers his three oldest brothers are in the service of Saul they're they're in the army they're out out fighting and battling with king Saul and so Jesse sends David out there to to take them take them some food to check and see how they're doing to bring word back to and it says that David is um David's going back and forth between Saul and between shepherding He's tending his father's sheep, and then he's also returning to Saul. So it kind of seems like this might be referring to David still maybe in the service of Saul with the leer, or or in, a, in it's his service because of something else he's he's doing for Saul. But we see David going back and forth. Um, and one day when Dave, when David actually goes out to his brothers, when he goes out to right to the front lines to to um. To 
to get word from his brothers to take his brother food. He happens to be there when he hears um, when he hears Goliath making these making these challenges, making these threats. He hears it, and though Israel is it says that all the people of Israel, all the men of Israel, were terrified when they heard when they heard Goliath continuing to just continuing to to call out to them. They're terrified. We don't see David afraid, but we see we see almost an anger in David. It's almost like he is he's angry because because Goliath is calling out calling out God's people. We see in verse twenty seven, David says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David's oldest brother, Eliab, hears this, and we see David met with two different responses. From his brother Eliab, we see him almost accusing David. He's angry and he says, like, what are you even doing here? Who's watching the sheep? Like, and he, he says, it even says that Eliab told David that he knows the evil in his heart. He's like, maybe because, maybe are you trying to get more glory for yourself? I mean, Eliab, though he doesn't say, it doesn't say that he shared this information. Eliab was there in the time when David was anointed as king, as the next king of Israel when it was shown that he was chosen by God and maybe because Saul put Saul put it out there that whoever can defeat Goliath would get wealth would get his daughter in marriage so Eliab is kind of accusing David of are you trying are you after more more glory for yourself and then we also see Saul and Saul says to David Saul says that this is a noble thing he's talking about doing when David says that he will go and he will stand up to Goliath Saul says, well, this is a noble thing you're talking, but there's no way you can do this. You're not capable. You're just a youth, Saul says, and this giant has been a warrior since his youth, and you're just a youth. But David tells Saul, he says that he's been carrying, that as he cares for the sheep, he says he's struck down lions, he's struck down bears, he's rescued sheep from these predators, and he says that he will do the same thing in Goliath. Again, in verse 36, he says that he's going to strike down Goliath because Goliath has defied the armies of the living God. Again, we see David continuing to to have this 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 just this, this calling towards towards God's glory and co- towards really standing up for the glory in the name of God. And we see David giving giving God the praise. He says that it was God who has rescued him and protected him from from the lions from the bears from in the wilderness whenever whatever he came across when he was shepherding he says it was god who protected me from those and god's going to protect me god's going to deliver goliath into my hand now so saul finally agrees and he says okay well let the, he says i pray that you know god is with you and so he tries to give david his armor but in verse 39, David says that he can't use his armor. His armor is so big on him, and he says he can't use it because it hasn't been tested. When he says, he, and when it says that David hasn't tested them, it means he hasn't he hasn't practiced with them. And what David's really saying is that God has proven Himself to be faithful to David. That God has proven Himself that God is the one who delivers him, who who protects him and leads him and he's not going to put his trust now in the armor but David's going to put his trust now in what has been proven faithful he's going to put his trust in God not in this man-made armor this man-made weapons but he's going to trust 
God who is faithful to him. So in verse 45, we see David turn to Goliath himself. And he says to Goliath, he says, You come to me with sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And he says, That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And then in verse 49 and verse 50, we read that David put his hand into his bag. He took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. And then we see an interesting conversation where Saul is inquiring as to who David is and where he came from. And this makes us question because we already talked about, we already read how David was in Saul's service at this time. That he was in the service of, he would play the lyre for for Saul and even said that he was that he was Saul's armor bearer. Um, and when you look into this, the best explanation that I can find out is that we know David plays with Saul when he is tormented by these harmful spirits. And so it's certainly reasonable to that when this happens, Saul does not really see David. Maybe he doesn't recognize him. I mean, he may not see David at all. He may David may play, may play music to Saul from another room or something. And the fact that he is he's in the service of Saul, but Saul's, you know, Saul's the king. He's in the service of the king. So he may very well be not Saul may very well not actually know who this David is, who's actually playing this music for him. And also the other thing that is a um possibility when it talks about David is the armor bearer of Saul is there are really two options for this. We can either look again at, well, he, yes, he's the armor bearer of Saul, but he probably doesn't deal personally with Saul, with the king on that. He just, he's appointed to this to take care of something, just, but he doesn't really deal directly with Saul. Or the other thing is these stories versus, um, you know, chapter 16, chapter 17, these two things may be happening kind of right about the same time. Which kind of makes sense when it says that David um, is going back and forth between shepherding the flocks and returning to Saul and back and forth. So it kind of seems like maybe these two things are going on at the same time. So like David is in the service of Saul. He's in the service playing the playing the lyre for him and helping him when he is when he's going through these um, you know this these fits with the spirit. And then it's after after he defeats Goliath, that he is really given this additional role as the armor bearer. But those are the two things that kind of make the most explanation for these last couple verses here, where it seems like, it seems like, you know, Saul's asking who this David is when he should already know that. And so, so far, we've seen the nation of Israel rejecting God as their king and demanding a king so they can be like all these other nations. So God provides for them Saul, who starts off well, but then Saul, through disobedience, through turning his own way, 
also rejects God to do his own things, to go after his own desires. And so we see God reject Saul, and now he anoints David. And so far we've seen David, and he, David is a completely different stature. He's not a appearance of king as man would see him, but we see that God says he looks at the heart. And so far we've seen David come, and David comes before the giant, and he is not afraid because he trusts in God. He genuinely trusts in God to deliver him. He trusts in God's faithfulness. He says to Goliath that he comes not with these man-made weapons, not putting his trust in these man-made things, but he comes putting his trust in the living God. So I hope that you will continue to tune in as we're going to continue to look at some more of the events in David's life. I thank you for listening and I hope that you will join me again next time.